Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome, everyone. Welcome back again this week. I'm excited to have uh, with me a Harvard-trained global learning and organizational development leader. Uh, not unlike uh, other weeks, I had the, the person I have uh, today is, is an accomplished author, and she's on today mostly to talk about her new book, but uh, related to that new book, her experiences um, with uh, the, this, this topic is, is, is vast. And so I'm excited um, to welcome Carice Anderson. Welcome, Carice. Thank you, Dr. Perkins. So thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, so excited to have you. And so for those of you who don't know, you have, may not have seen posts shared around uh, this book. Uh, the title of the book is Intelligence Isn't Enough, A Black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace. Um, uh, this was published um, just about a year ago, I guess it came out. And um, Carice has stated that she wants to uh, empower professionals to take ownership of their careers. So much has happened recently, um, and I think there's so many places we could jump in on this, um, but a lot of, of discourse that has been going on, particularly around um, what has happened with uh, affirmative action, but not just that, uh, there have been a number of, uh, of legislations that have come across that, uh, that from my perspective, have been, have been um, spearheaded and, and activated uh, by the efforts of a lot of black professionals like the Crown Act, uh, to name one, uh, that, that has been um, something that uh, a number of states have taken a real strong interest in. So first, before we get into about uh, the book, I know, um, Carice, you have, you have done a lot, worked with a, a number of Fortune 500 companies, um, and, and so I see where you've also lived in South Africa. We, we're going to have to share a couple stories there because I've done a lot of work in South Africa as well. And so I'm just um, excited to hear a little bit about how did you get to this point? I know you've served as a consultant um, and, and what have you, um, but I'd love to know what made you decide uh, here is where you wanted to put your focus, particularly in writing. I think it really started when I was at McKinsey. I was a professional development manager, and I was, you know, sitting in performance reviews, and I was hearing what partners and associate partners were expecting, what their bar was for consultants. And then I was hearing the flip side. I was hearing what consultants were saying, and I thought, there's a disconnect here. Mm. And I thought there was something that I could share that could help close that gap. Um, I think, you know, and I, if I even connect it to my own background, I mean, I'm the first person in my family to work in a corporate to even major in business in university. 
And when I stepped into the corporate space, I had no clue. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to date myself now, Dr. Perkins. When I came out of undergrad, the Internet was about five pages long, and you could get through it in about seven <laughs> minutes. So it was not right, Listen, are we talking about, are we talking about America <laughs> Online, what we were calling the Internet? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? So it was not it was not a resource. But I automatically assumed, incorrectly, that, well, these young people have the Internet. They've got audio books. They've got online courses, social media the list goes on and on, and I thought, well, how, how do they not know these things? But then I realized if you don't know what you don't know, you don't even know you should be looking for it, and there could be a treasure trove of information. Um, but if you don't know the right questions to ask or the right information to look for, it won't matter. And so I thought, let me just put it on paper. This is what you need to be thinking about. These are the questions you need to be asking. These are the relationships you need to be building. This is the self-examination that you need to be doing in order to have the kind of impact and success that you want to have. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, how much of this, it's before we get into um, some of the, the work skills, uh, a question that I've often been faced with is about how much of this um, is cultural or, or exposure-related? Um, what, what have you found um, in, in terms of the experiences uh, black professionals, professionals have had? Because when you say that they didn't know what, what was being looked for, um, right. what, what exactly are we talking about? So I always like to start out by saying that, you know, I think black talent, you know, we're going to the right schools, we're majoring in the right areas, you know, we're, we're, we have the intellectual horsepower, but I think as you and I both know, that's not enough. And that's why I called my book Intelligence Isn't Enough. It's not enough yeah. to be smart and to work hard and to have the right technical skills. I think what people need to understand is when you are marginalized, I mean, that, that very word means you're on the outside looking in. You're not in the mainstream. You're not in the in group. And so you're on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what the rules of the game are. And so mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us, because we, you know, my grandfather worked in a steel mill for 41 years. I, yeah, I had yeah. no one in my family that could help me understand how to navigate a corporate space. And while I'm a bright person, I didn't have the soft skills. Because if you think about the advice that a lot of us are getting, it's work hard, put your head down, don't tell those yeah. people that work your business, and then go home. You know, yeah, we're not yeah. getting how to navigate politics and build relationships and get mentors and sponsors. We don't understand all of that. And so because, our, because we've been marginalized, our exposure is limited, our experience is limited, and so we walk into spaces with the right degrees from the right schools and universities, but we don't have those softer skills that I personally think, of, think make up, you know, yeah. 70% of you being successful. We walk in at a deficit because of, yeah. because of that marginalization. And I think organizations have to realize that that just because I'm, I look the same on paper as, you know, this person standing next to me, we did not have the same path here. We didn't probably even have the same experience at university that majority yeah. folks have had. And so we come in with a deficit, and we need that, that gap to be closed. And, yeah. and that, that's why I wrote my book, and, and that's, that's what I was thinking about when I'm talking about those, those softer skills that we, we don't have. Yes, yes. And, and thank you for sharing that because – uh, one one area that I think about, let's just say 
uh, since you, you mentioned going to the right schools, uh, that's exactly what um, I, I shared with, with my children um, about even when you're in those spaces. But for me, it started much earlier trying to orient them to things that I didn't know uh, initially. Right. Um, now, fortunately, I had, I had the experience of going to a historically black college and I had a mentor when I was there who was our department chair, and there were things that he shared with us. This is what you have to remember to do. And so they did things like take us to places, uh, restaurants, and things like that to show you and, and actually talked us through. No, that's not how you hold that. That's not how you do this. So some of those soft skills that will, will, uh, will, take you out of running for things that you didn't even know you did wrong. Um, but I'll, I'll start with, with the educational experience is that I told each of my daughters as they were entering college, I said, um, now, when you get there and you find yourself with, um, and it happens a lot, where um, you, you've misjudged your uh, how to prioritize your assignments, and you're running behind, and you're really not going to turn in your best product, ask, go and ask for an extension. Now, your assumption is going to be you're going to look around, and you're going to see all these kids seem to be not really as stressed as you are. I said a lot of it is because behind closed doors, and I'm telling you as a university professor, they will come, other groups will come and ask their professors for a week or a few more days um, on their work product. So start there by understanding how to ask for help, how to ask also for what you don't have, be very specific about what you want. Um, and I'll go a step further is have the audacity to have expectations also that there are things that you can express in terms of expectations you have as a learner. I'll start there uh, for a few, but what, what has been your experience around, around that? In terms of university, or you're saying once? No, just in general. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, just yeah, in general, both university, yeah. uh, individual starting, but also in their careers as well. I mean, I definitely think that you know, I think a lot of the advice that we've been given that I was mentioning a second ago, you know, work hard, put your head down, yeah, and yeah. you'll get, you know, knighted as the chosen one. I think if you look at that advice, other people don't feature in that advice at all. And so yeah. we think that we can make it completely on our own because that's yeah. the advice that we've been given. And I think yeah. your example, you know, leaning on people to ask for help or ask for the extension I find that we, a lot of us do struggle because, you know, we've also been really successfully, successful academically, and then we step into a, you know, and we were able to do that kind of on our own. I know I was. Yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like I needed a lot of support, especially in undergrad. I think it was a different story in graduate school. But in undergrad, I kind of felt like I did it on my own. And so I thought I was going to take that same mentality into work. And so I definitely think I see a lot of that. Um, thinking that we're, there's going to be this solo story. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, asking for extensions. When I was in university, I had my best friend was friends with a lot of white students, and they had these test banks going all the way back to, I don't oh, know, how yeah. long. 
Yeah. And and yeah. I'm like, I would have never had access to those had I not been friends with her. And that was also people leaning on each other and, and helping each other, right, to be successful. And that's one of the messages that I really try to drive home in my book is that success requires collaboration with other people. Uh-huh. It, you're, there is no person who's successful who's done it completely on their own. I don't care yeah. who it is. I don't care how smart you are. And so we need to learn how to cultivate those relationships so that people want to invest in us and help develop us. I think that's, yeah. that's really, really critical. Yes, absolutely. And I love the way um, in your book you talk about um, what, or at least describe what, what you, you uh, refer to as major corporate muscle groups. I love the way mm-hmm. you, you, you frame that. Um, so I'd love to go and have you expand on each of these. So the first one was knowing yourself, knowing others, and then knowing your environment. Let's start with knowing yourself. So what is it, what is it that you have to know about yourself in order to, to be successful? Because um, you talk about knowing your story. Um, what, what is it that, that um, uh, when you talk about your story, what specific mm-hmm. story or whatever, what, what specific part of who you are is it that you have to understand that? For me, I, I talk a lot about understanding how you grew up and how you were socialized because, you know, when you step into your career, it's not like that's the first day you existed on the planet, right? You bring all of your yeah. your, your personal traumas and unhealed wounds and messaging and socialization. You bring all of that into the corporate space. So I share a couple of examples. You know, I grew up in a home that I felt like was somewhat patriarchal. You know, there were things that girls weren't allowed to do, that boys were allowed to do, and girls had to do more housework. And and I took that attitude into my career. So when I saw that men were getting special treatment, they weren't having to do certain, you know, menial tasks that I was having and other women were having to do, or the men were getting taken out to lunch and the women were never invited, I never spoke up because I thought, well, that's just how it is. I think the other thing is, you know, perfectionism. I grew up, you know, in a home that my mom is a bit of a perfectionist, and I think I inherited some of that. I brought that into work. And, you know, in work, you don't always have complete information. You have to be able to move forward in times of uncertainty and ambiguity, and I struggled to do that. And it's something I still work on to this day, right? And it's where did you get that messaging from? I mean, I think on a, on a you know, more positive note, I grew up in a home that was very Christian, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten through 12th grade. You know, so I was getting messages about values and treating people a certain way at home, at church, and at school. And I think that informs my value system to this day. And I filter all of my decisions through my values. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of that is because of what was instilled at home. And so I think it's just understanding what you're bringing into the space and how that's going to affect how you show up in that space. Yes. I think I would yes. say one other thing. I think I think my family, like a lot of black families, we over-index on education. And so I mm-hmm. literally thought when I started my career, well, I'm smart. I'm just going to be smart because I've always been smart, and I'm going to do well because that's who I am. So a lot of my yes. identity and my self-worth was wrapped up in achievement. And so when yes. I wasn't that great at my first job, I didn't like that first job, and the job didn't like me. I had an existential crisis, you know, identity crisis, like who am I if I'm not? 
top top of the class or close to top of the class. And so I had to learn how to separate my achievement from my worth as a person to know that I have worth and value just because I exist on the planet, not because of my accolades and all the achievements on my CV. So all of yeah. these things you bring into a space, and you need to examine them so that you can manage yourself and not allow yeah. those traumas and those triggers to cause you to react instead of respond. And so you can oh. challenge people and learn how to say, you know, no, and push back. Also a gender role. You're, you're not really encouraged to challenge and speak up for yourself. And I think I also took that into my career. I said yes, yes to yes. a lot of things that I probably should have said no to. And so yes. I think that's why it's so important to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that is, it, it resonates with me a lot on a number of re, for a number of reasons. Um, one is that um, the program that I direct at Columbia, uh, that's one of the cornerstones of the program is know thyself. And um, we really focus on having people examine uh, their assumptions about who they are and, and pay attention to exactly what you said. If you get upset, what is it, what is it about that uh, situation that made me respond the way I did? Not just what is the situation, but why did I respond the way uh, I did? And um, I think that has been particularly useful to me in the professional workspace, especially going through and and part of what I shared earlier about telling my daughters to also have expectations. Just what you said about uh, that you, you said yes to some things that you probably should not have said yes to, that also includes you responded, um, dare I say, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me, especially earlier in my career, I I um, was unresponsive to things that I should not have allowed to occur, and um, and just saying that you know that 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 is something that and I and I still do that to some extent is to say that's not the battle that's worth fighting, and I did that both in my graduate education, like you said, going to the right schools, but also uh, beyond that, just making sure that it was something that um that i could um i i could uh, live with you know the decision that i made was something that i could live with um would, would you say that Absolutely. that's also yeah what some what a lot of uh people are are faced with as well yeah absolutely i think you know people also don't want to attract i think a lot of black folks we don't want to attract a lot of attention we just want to fly under the radar, and I think sometimes we do say yes to things that we should say no to, Um, but it's, and that's what I try to, you know, highlight in my book is here's a way to say no or a way to at least have a conversation that isn't career limiting. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not an either or, it's a yes and, and I think, but we have to be equipped to be able to do that, you know. Um, I think that's that's super important. The other thing I'll say, too, about knowing self is just knowing what are my strengths, what are my areas of development, what are my aspirations, my motivations, what are the things that give me joy? Because then I think the better you know yourself, the better you can position yourself in spaces and around people who align with your strengths and your aspirations and your values. I think that's uh-huh. the other part I just wanted to mention about yeah. knowing self. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so the the second area, uh, second uh, uh, 
one of these muscle groups you mentioned is knowing others. You say it's important to build and sustain important relationships in the workplace. What, is, what does that look like to you? Well, I mean, I think about the 70-2010 model from the Center for Creative Leadership. You know, it says that the path for or the equation for learning is 70% on-the-job experience is 20% people and 10% formal training. I think a lot of us think the 70% is the formal training, but that's actually the smallest percentage. And if you think about it, the better your relationships are in the 20%, so that's with your manager, your coach, your mentor, your peers, your, you know, sponsor – all of these individuals, then the better those opportunities are going to be for you in the 70%. You're going to get more out of those opportunities. You're going to achieve more. You're going to have more impact. And so those relationships are so critical because, you know, I have two degrees in business, and I'm telling you, I've worked in business my whole life. Mm -hmm. Business schools are not teaching you how to operate in that particular culture. You know, for example, uh-huh. McKinsey. Nobody, nobody at business school is teaching you how to make a McKinsey slide. You have to get okay. inside McKinsey, and those folks are going to teach you how to make a good McKinsey slide, how to do a, a, a great McKinsey deck or a, a great McKinsey spreadsheet. You know, so and, and the better yeah. your relationships are with people, the more they're going to want to invest in you to teach you what it takes to be successful there and to give you those stretch opportunities and to advocate for you in spaces that you're not in and create opportunities for you that you can't create for yourself. You know, and that's why yeah. that's why their relation and, and I think that's why a lot of us because we over index on intelligence and IQ and and hard skills, we oftentimes see people who are not as bright as us, who are not as competent as us right. ascending right. while we stay yeah. in the same places. And the thing is when decision makers, the people who have the power to make those decisions about who gets those opportunities, they're gonna probably choose their friend who might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer over a complete stranger who has great skills because people are thinking about who do I want to work with every day? Who do I want to be in the battlefield with? And and it's like I'd rather be in the battlefield with my friend who I will upskill him or her and make sure they get to where they need to be from a competence standpoint than this person who I have no relationship with, you know, or even a a negative, you know, experience of, right? And so that's why it's so important for us to build. And And I'm trying to advocate in my book for authentic relationships. I'm not advocating uh, for fake it till you make it and co-switching yeah, yeah. and, you know, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to help people because I feel like the authenticity will help you sustain it. And it will come yeah. across as more genuine to the other people because nobody wants to advocate for a fake person. You know, we want to yeah. advocate for a real authentic person that we really feel like we know. And so that's yeah. why I'm, I try to advocate in my book for how do you know yourself, right, and, and show up as your authentic self, you know, to a certain extent, right, your authentic professional self um, in a way that works for other people and works for that environment. And then I think that helps you create that that brand uh, and that communication style that allows you to have maximum impact. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, earlier this year, um, I had a psychologist on that talked about how much of your authentic self to show up in um, in mm-hmm. workplace settings, uh, what's appropriate and what might be a little too much. But I, I do want to go back to uh, what I, I started out talking about, um, some of the things that we know and don't know uh, often as black professionals that have to do with access to that corporate environment. Um, and and, and when, just for the record, when I talk about 
corporate. I'm talking about white collar environment. So it mm. doesn't necessarily have to be kind of the, the typical corporate setting, but I am talking about where those spaces are college, um, you know, as an entry point and mostly um, also graduate education as an entry point, because like you, uh, I didn't have um, uh, a lot of examples of that in my family. Um, my father uh, was someone who worked as uh, a, um, a, a foreman on a, um, a I, I want to say shipyard, I'm not sure what they got, but a, a train yard loading fertilizer, 37 years. Um, my mother worked in a, a um, professional laundry, if you will, um, and so they, that, that was not a part of their experience. And I, I laugh with my sister often about, um, it's, it's interesting that um, my, uh, both my mother and father really never understood what I did. All they knew was that sometimes I worked looking at the computer at the kitchen table and other times I was off <laughs> doing meetings for part of the day, never really understood that. And so examples of what, what, how you have relationships in those settings was not something that was a, a dinner time or a family time conversation. And so I, I, I wonder, what would your advice be, though, to some, like, to the, the new generation where, where I'm going with this is around relationships, is that many of the relationships they have are not based on a lot of in-person interaction. And so they are, they are thrust into this world where a lot of, of in-person relationship building has to take place, but they don't know about knowing people in order to get things done. That people, even if, if it's the custodial department and you work in sales, or it's uh, people in IT and you work um, uh, doing uh, customer, um, customer satisfaction. What, how, what is your advice to them about how you go about and how you learn how to, to formulate and sustain these relationships? I think the first tip I would say for someone who's starting out in their career is just to, first of all, perform really well be on time, go above and beyond, that helps people want to spread the word about you when, you, when you're delivering at a, at a high-quality level. I think the second thing is, you know, taking those opportunities that are presented to us to, you know, whether it's network or build relationships or connect with new people, you know, turn your cameras on so people can see your face. Look professional yeah. when you come on the, you know, when you turn on that camera. Um, realize that that's part of your brand is how you look, how you communicate, how you dress and deliver. And, and I would just say, you know, maybe the fourth thing I've said to a lot of people, because my book actually came out the first time in South Africa in January 2021. So it was, you know, COVID was raging. And I told people, I said, reach out to people and ask for that, you know, 15-minute coffee chat. You know, wow. when, when you're new, people are much more open, you know, to, to helping you. And I think reaching out to people and realizing you might get rescheduled five times, but don't give up and reschedule, you know, or if somebody invites you, if somebody says, hey, we should grab coffee, take people seriously, even if they don't mean it. Take them seriously yeah. and, and take them up on those offers for those opportunities to connect. And then when you show up to those interactions, 
come prepared. Come with questions. Yeah. Research yeah. the person, you know, on your internet or on the internet. Look them up, right? Be able to talk about something that they care about and hope that they will reciprocate and, and be curious about you too. And, and then fostering those relationships going forward, you know, asking people, hey, you know, can I touch base with you in three months to tell you what's going on and, you know, the challenges I'm facing or the opportunities that are getting presented to me? And most people will say yes, you know, yeah. but I think it's, yeah. it's just about, you know, initiating those relationships, coming prepared to those interactions, and then fostering and nurturing those relationships after you've had those initial conversations. That's, that's the advice yeah. that I would give to people. Yes, yes. I, I thank you for that. I, I shared one of my daughter's, uh, came to me and uh, complaining about someone who had been assigned to her as a mentor and said that she really wasn't doing much. And so it was only when she, um, she did something that got recognition that it was like, yeah, that's my mentee. And I said, look, mm -hmm. don't worry about that. Um, you need to explore ways in which that person can be helpful Maybe the ways in which you are asking um, her to be helpful, that's just not where she's going to work for you. But look, and, and you're going to have to dig deeper to find those opportunities. But know that that's part of, of what you've said, knowing others. Um, you know that that's, maybe it isn't, but like you said, uh, it, isn't, it wasn't a sincere offer, but you, you just keep working at that and, and perhaps something will come out of it. Um, and I know we're we close to out of time, but I do want to give an opportunity to explore that last muscle group um, where you talked about knowing your environment. And you said something about, I mean, uh, I've, I know well McKinsey uh, and company and, um, you know, a worldwide respected uh, um, consulting firm uh, and uh, we probably know some of the same people in in South Africa that uh, that work for McKinsey. If you if you were there at the time, um, uh, you were in South Africa. But uh, tell me a little bit about what you think uh, when you say it's important to analyze your organization's culture because people aren't necessarily um, knowing what to do going in, but they have to learn about the each place they enter. Absolutely. I, mean, I, you know, I worked at McKinsey in South Africa for almost four and a half years. And then after I left McKinsey, I ended up doing some contract work for Bain. Now, both of these are both management consulting firms, but they have very different cultures. And so, you know, you have to understand what is the McKinsey culture? What works here? What do people value? How do people produce deliverables? You know, what is the language of that space versus what are the language, the values, and delivery expectations at Bain, because what works in one place may not work in the other. And so I think what I try to say with the corporate muscle groups is, you know, know who you are as a person and who you are authentically, what are the strengths that you bring to the table, then try to connect that to what other people are trying to achieve. What are their aspirations and what can you bring to, to help them? And hopefully they'll reciprocate. But then that last part is knowing that environment, because what works there may not work somewhere else. So you have to yeah. have the knowledge of all three, you know, in order to, to have the kind of impact that you want to have. And yeah. if you, you know, and I, I advise people when you first start at an organization, spend a lot of time listening. Listen to what is being said, what is not being said, what's being talked about, what's not being talked about. 
what are those specific words that you hear over and over again? You know, ask good questions to people in terms of, you know, how do people communicate in this environment? How do people deliver? What is the expectation? What are the values? What matters? You know, and really trying to think about how can you bring what you're authentically good at into that space to help people achieve what they're trying to achieve in that environment Mm -hmm. in in a way that works in that environment. Uh Uh Thank you. Thank you. That's very uh, helpful. Um, So we're out of time at this point, but I I do want to give you an opportunity uh, for those of you who may have joined a little late. uh, I'm speaking with uh, uh, Carice Anderson, who is the author uh, of a book that was uh, first released in 2021, uh, released in 2022, um, entitled Intelligence Intelligence Isn't Enough, A Black Professional's Guide to Thriving in the Workplace. Uh, and um, and I know that there are people that are listening that would love to know um, how to follow you, support you in the work. And so if you have any social media handles, email addresses, um, any other things you'd like to share, please do at this time. Sure. People can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, on Carice Anderson, C-A-R-I-C-E, and then Anderson with an O at the end. Um, you can reach me at my website, CarieAnderson.com. And, yeah, I love to connect with people. So if you're listening to this and you've gotten something out of it, please feel free to send me an invitation on LinkedIn. I love to I love to meet new people and, and share ideas and, and learn from other people as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll be uh, paying attention, listening, and I uh, follow you on LinkedIn, and so I'm looking forward Uh, to your next installment. So until then, go well, stay well. Thank you so much, Dr. Perkins. I appreciate it.